This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at chabacasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Football Social Daily. Premier League Update. Hello, I'm Jim and this is the only daily Premier League podcast. It is Football Social Daily, up-to-date news, chat and gossip from the top flight of English football whenever you want it and always up-to-date. I've got Nama Korn in the Sports Social Studio this morning. Hello, Jim. And I've got Steve McNaughton. Good morning, gents. So today, after yesterday's heated discussion on the podcast about (laughs) fixture congestion and injuries in the top flight, we have drafted in an expert to mediate between myself and Niall. We're going to be speaking to injury analyst Ben Dinnery. He'll be with us to run the rule over whether footballers are playing too many games or they're just being snowflakes, essentially. We're going to get his view on some of the more prominent injuries in the league right now too soon. We'll get to that. We've got Aston Villa. They're through to the League Cup final. It was limbs at Villa Park last night after an inspired performance from Jack Grealish. We'll talk about his England prospects and also consider who might be joining Villa in the final as we face the prospect of a Wednesday night Manchester derby to decide their opposition. And also following on from some great predictions from myself that I've made this week, like Bruno Fernandes will not be going to Manchester United. Looks like that deal is definitely going to happen now. (laughs) And I can't see Leicester City losing the League Cup semi-final after yesterday, which obviously they did. I'm going to be predicting a massive win for Liverpool tonight in their game (laughs) versus West Ham, which actually, to be fair, might be one I actually get right. Yeah, But let's kick off with the injury chat. Let's put yesterday's argument to bed, shall we? Yesterday on the podcast, it all got a bit heated between myself and Niall. He, being a lower league football fan as he is, thinks players just need to man up and forget about all this talk of fixture congestion. Me, 
I think there's evidence to support the argument that modern footballers are currently just playing too much football. So, to help us settle this one, we've got injury analyst and the man behind Premier Injuries on Twitter to join us, Ben Dinnery. How are you doing, Ben? Good afternoon, guys. I'm fine. And yourself? Hey, Ben. Yeah, very good, thank you. So, you've heard the two sides of the argument. It's me versus Niall. What's the truth? Are players uh, being snowflakes? Is there an issue that needs <laughs> I defending? never said snowflakes, Jim. <laughs> You're throwing me under the bus here. <laughs> Wow, um, yeah, put me in the middle of this one. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, the re- reality of the situation is, you, you know, the Premier League is probably, you know, it's incomparable in terms of the intensity of the game at the highest level. You know, the data will suggest that the Premier League football, you know, is it's not only the most entertaining, but it's the, it's the most explosive, it's the quickest, and the physical demands on the players um, obviously, playing at the highest level is, is greater, and, and that is a fact. Um, you know that data supported even with the, the Champions League. Um, you know statistics that are produced annually. If you look at the players who've covered the most distance, those players who've covered the um, the greatest ground at a high intensity pace. Um, you know, uh, a high percentage of those players, and I, and I believe, you know, it's at least the, the, the top two, maybe the top three of the last few years, they all belong to players um, who play in the Premier League football. We've seen something change over the last 10 years, haven't we? And this Christmas, certainly there's been more injuries than I remember in previous years, and there's been a load of games this Christmas. Why has it suddenly become a problem then? Is it, if it is, as you say, it's connected to playing the football that's played in the Premier League why is it suddenly an issue that maybe a decade ago it wasn't um, do you know I, I think it's um, it's important not to get carried away and, and caught up in all the hyperbole around around the injuries and the high number of instance rates uh, you know the data certainly I've, I've been looking at the data maybe over the last six or seven years and in actual fact there isn't a great deal of change I told you, know? you Jim I told you <laughs> it's the exact same <laughs> You know, we, we do see slight fluctuations. Um, it, it, it's how injury incidents and uh, you know setbacks are reported these days is, is, is obviously it's a big thing. And, and you're also talking about high-profile, high-status players mm. um, who suffered you know some major setbacks in recent times. Yeah. But if we look back to maybe you know 2014, 15, and 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 the, and the years sort of preceding, we've actually seen a slight decrease overall but you know it's negligible in terms of one the number of reported injuries two the total of days spent out on the sidelines and on the treatment table and three you know the average return to play timelines Um, Mm. we see the same old um, you know the the same old types of injuries we're talking about hamstring injuries we're still looking at around about maybe 38 to to 40% of all muscular problems are hamstring related and the average return to play isn't in around you know 26 ish days maybe 27 and 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 again that that hasn't really changed uh, over time um and, and touching upon a you know your point with regards to um the festive fixture program and you know that that glut of games over that period as, as well you know we get this every year we we can um, look back to I think it was at the beginning of maybe 20 um, it was either 2018 or 2019 when Pep said that you know the programme was killing these players and um, the the reality of the situation is, you know, players, if you want players to perform at their optimum levels, 
you know, then ideally we'd be looking at maybe, you know, 72 hours recovery at least. Within that period, you know, there were teams that were playing within 48 hours of each other. I think Wolves this mm. year um, was maybe 44 hours. Mm. You know, so what you're going to get is you're going to get those players who are red flagged, those who are maybe more susceptible at suffering a setback. And, and then obviously that's going to affect the, you know, the performances on the pitch. Maybe the consumer isn't getting you know, what they deserve in terms of their buy-in with their tickets. Maybe they're being shortchanged a little bit because players just you know, aren't able to produce um, you know, a level of performance just within such a quick turnaround between fixtures. It's interesting, Ben, because I think the, um, the, the argument we had yesterday was relating to the amount of fixtures in the programme and managers resting players because they're worried about injuries happening. Um, you guys at Premier Injuries have got so much data about this. It's, it's brilliant, really. And some of the figures that you've produced, I looked into it. Uh, in October, 63 injuries in 30 Premier League fixtures. And there was actually an international break in October as well, I believe. In December, 84 injuries in 62 fixtures. So more than double the fixtures, but fewer than double the injuries. Is there always a correlation between the more games you play, the more injuries you're going to pick up? Is that just a natural thing? Because sometimes the data doesn't always show that. Yeah, um, so... Yeah, I mean, rationale will tell you higher um, exposure. So the more minutes you play, the higher likelihood, the greater the risk of injury incidents. Um, now, what we'll see sometimes around this this festive program, particularly in December, um, you, you know, you may see players who are patched up, you know, asked to go that extra mile, you know, do it, you know, put it all out there for the badge, and, and and players will, you know, go out and perform to a level. Now you will see a spike in injuries maybe towards you know mid, um, you know mid and late January where these players just aren't able to do that anymore and their bodies sort of break down. So it's it's not necessarily reflected always in in the data. Um, it's often considered what we what we look at is, is dirty data. In fact, that you know just because a player is um, out there on the football pitch. It does not mean that he's fit. Sure. And, and, and similarly, you know, on the flip side of that, just because somebody isn't involved doesn't necessarily mean they're injured. True. You know, there are lots of examples of players, you know, going out there who are managing uh, ongoing muscular problems, mm. um, in particular, um, maybe groin issues. Ashley Barnes would be a good one. You know, played a number of weeks with an ongoing persistent groin issue. Sure. And it wasn't until, you know, earlier this month that they made the decision then from the goal to the knife. Managers take risks, and that is the reality of the situation. Before we let you go, Ben, so in kind of a summary-type way, is there an issue here with fixture congestion? Are players being asked to play too many games in a short period of time, or is it now just kind of part and parcel of the game? We need to get better recovery. Managers need to get better at rotation. For the foreseeable, it is part and parcel of the game. That's that's what you know players and clubs and everybody signs up to these days you know with the demands of, of, of the TV rights and, and what have you and, and the game is changing it, it's evolving you know sports science departments will become more involved about looking at players and, and how they can you know look to maybe negate um, those setbacks and muscular issues around busy fixture periods so yeah I think that you know the game is changing and, and that will be reflected in, in the type of data that we continue to collect going forward Ben, cheers for coming on. Really appreciate it. You can find more from Ben talking injuries on Twitter at Ben Dinnery and at Premier Injuries as well. Cheers, Ben. Thanks, cheers, ben. ben. Guys, much appreciated. Thank cheers, you. Cheers, mate. Speaking of fixture congestion, 
There are games tonight. There Move. is games Swift, last night. Swiftly moving on. Can you say hey, that? <laughs> inconclusive, no, Niall, I hey, think, listen, as far as that argument's concerned. I love talking to Ben. I think it's absolutely class to get someone like him on. Mm. Um, very, you know, very someone who knows his stuff. And it's not the side of the game that we hear from very often. And he's dead right when he says, when you see players out on the pitch, they might actually be injured for a, a long period of time. And, and also when you see players rested due to injury, that might mm. be for other reasons that we don't know about. And, you know, I, I kind of do feel a bit bad for treating footballers like robots. But, I mean, if we want to make football an entertainment business, which is part of what Ben was saying there, I mean, it's, it's, it is part of the part of the entertainment business, I guess, now, uh, football, which is a shame, which makes me sad, really. It's yeah. different to you and I going out and playing five-a-side with a bit of a hurty knee. I get as that. Well. It's like you can't play at the level that uh, Premier League players are required to. I take umbrage as well to you calling me a lower league supporter. I, I, I do <laughs> I do like all football. I don't just go and knock around and watch Conference North games oh, for You fun. always tell us how much but, better um, it is. It's it better. League one. It, is, it is better. But no, to be fair, the pitches are worse in mm. the lower leagues and therefore the risk of injury is higher. And I don't think that's... The Premier League, this is what annoys me, the Premier League has got everything. It's got everything it needs. It's only ever the top five or six clubs that whinge. Mm. Wolves have played a ridiculous amount of games this season. No complaining from Nuno Espirito Santo, none. Not heard any. Jurgen Klopp crying about it. I don't like it. it. It does my head in. It really is annoying because I get there's too many games for some people. For others, there's not enough football. You can't win. It's a difficult one to solve. But the Premier League has got everything. It's got all the money. It's got all the sports science. It's got the most beautiful snooker table carpet pitches. Mm. And we still get people complaining about too many fixtures. Because it's the boots. That's why. The that's boot. a good point. This, this, this is very true. It, Let's uh, move on and talk about the League Cup because it was Leicester City versus Aston Villa last night. I said it was a surefire thing for Leicester City. So obviously Aston Villa went on and won it with a late goal. To be fair, Leicester City probably had the best of the game. But fair play to Aston Villa. They did the job and there was a hell of an atmosphere in Villa Park last night. It was a proper old school atmosphere in that stadium. Mm. Mm. Sounds like a mystical game. I didn't see it, unfortunately. So I'm not best placed to uh, talk Mm. about it. But I am surprised because I would have gone with your prediction on it and thought Leicester would have comfortably gone through that. But, you know, Villa have dug in and they found, I know Trezeguet scored an injury Mm. time yesterday to send, you know, send the fans into raptures. And I think... (laughs) <laughs> it's it's harsh because whoever wins that tie tonight, Man City, are winning that final at Wembley. Um, to be honest, I, I seem to always remember Kelechi and Nacho scoring against Aston Villa. He seemed to do it all the time when he was playing for City. I, I, I think I remember right. He, I think he scored, scored all, all the, the time, time for anyone when he was playing for City, didn't he? <laughs> well, against Villa, it seems to be the team that he always seems to bag against. But fair play to Aston Villa. They they played very, very well. But mm. they did in the in the reverse fixture as well, in the first leg. They played very, very well. Why they can't seem to translate that performance mm. into the league, I don't know. And that's probably something Dean Smith's going to have to address, definitely. But fair play to them. Um, Jack Grealish, again, just he's just their best player, isn't he? So there's no yeah. two ways about that. There, there were two standout players last night. The keeper, Nyland. Orion Nyland. It's sad he's not even going to get a game at the weekend because rain has been brought yeah, in. Yeah, well, he'll, he's be a good dis- he'll be disappointed by that. But Jack Grealish, as you say, was absolutely outstanding. And as I said yesterday, when Jack Grealish is flying... Aston Villa are flying and he's been involved in an insane amount of goals this Mm -hmm. season. Nine goals, seven assists. Surely he's played his way into England's team now for the Euros. He can't be ignored. Well, the amount of selection problems Gareth Southgate might have up front might probably be clouding his thinking at the moment. But, I mean, you got two quality young English players in Grealish and Madison on Mm. the same pitch last night. And And they both had great games. They both had great games and they're both great players and squeezing them both into the same team might be a difficulty for Southgate. I think Southgate has his 
his eye on them. Uh, I think he's always said Southgate he'll pick players that are in form. Mm. Um, so we'll have to wait and see what happens. If Villa go down, Grealish won't stay at the club. No, it's, as, it's as simple as that. And I'm not sure Madison would stay at Leicester for another year either, um, regardless of whether they finish. If they finish in the Champions League, he might fancy a crack at Champions League football for another season. Who knows? One thing I will say about Grealish, have you seen the size of his calves? Oh, enormous. Yeah. Ridiculous. He's like a, a sprint cyclist with the size of his calves. I'm not well, I don't that... know if that's just because he wears his socks rolled down so you can see him better. I know, you I... don't often get that with I... footballers. They are bulging. I think they are some some seriously impressive bits yeah. of muscle on the back of I his mean, leg. Last night, and probably as far as <laughs> Southgate's concerned, it will be Madison or Grealish because there's a fair few regulars in that England lineup. You think of who he's probably going to take Henderson Henderson's he'll take start, isn't he? he'll take Declan Rice because he's played him pretty much every game mm. for the last four or five games he'll probably take Oxlade Chamberlain there's not that many midfield places that he's going to take but Grealish showed he could take players on mm. he could play weighted through balls he could cross the ball in some of his balls into the front men were Kevin De Bruyne-esque he's brilliant. last night yeah Big, uh, massive uh, fan of him vision's excellent isn't it the vision, the vision is excellent. And he's started to add that goal-scoring edge to his game as well. He was close to moving to Tottenham a couple of seasons ago and that fell through. And he had one final stab at getting out of the championship with Aston Villa. And they did. They got up through Wembley. And, you know, he, he's playing exceptionally well. You just worry about how Aston Villa replace him when he does leave because he's mm. not going to stay at Villa forever. No. Um, or will he? Maybe, maybe I'm doing the, the lad a disservice. He's a I Villa f- fan. He's been there forever mm. already. Will he stay for longer? I don't know. Will he fancy a, a chance at Champions League football? Will he fancy a chance at a long international career? We'll have to wait and see. I think it all very much depends on which division Aston Villa are in next exactly. season. I think it'd be I think with the greatest respect to Aston Villa, if they do go down, he would be mad to stay there. Yeah. I think he's got okay. a at the point he is in his career, he's got to go actually it's a big club now, you know, that I want to go to, I want to be mm. playing in the Champions League and and the big clubs in this country will will be keeping an eye on his situation all mm. of them. Mm. Uh, you know, and I, I I talk about Man City, I talk about Liverpool, at Chelsea, you know, t- um Tottenham probably again if he comes into, you know, becomes available. Man United certainly, um, mm. and I think that I could actually see him going to one of them clubs because, you know, there's going to be some movement in all of them clubs this summer. Yeah, uh, you know, th- there's no doubt about it. Um, you know, Liverpool there'll be some movement there. Um, you know, I think the likes of Shakiri will go. I think there's a question mark about Wijnaldum long term. Sure. Uh, so you know, if Wijnaldum does leave Liverpool, you know, is there a space for Jack Grealish in that midfield? Uh, you know, so who knows? But he, top top draw, big fan of his work, and I I 100 take him. To mm. the Euros. Mm. From the competition's point of view, I mean, Villa fans were obviously delighted to get through to the final. We saw pitch invasions <sighs> at the end of it. Could it be a double-edged sword for Villa? We yeah. saw this a little bit with Watford last season when they got to the FA Cup final in that they took their eyes off the ball. Premier League form completely dropped off. Might we see that with Aston Villa this season with the Cup final almost being a distraction or could it be a positive and that it kind of causes them to almost re-injects a bit of energy into it. There's absolutely no negative about going to Wembley at the end of February and possibly winning the trophy. Manchester City fans swear by this. The Carabao Cup gets knocked for being a competition that no one's that bothered about. Manchester City are very much bothered about it. I'm sure we'll talk about the Manchester Derby in a bit. But there's no better confidence booster than winning a trophy in Mm. February. And then, you know, you've got that feel-good factor around the club again. Whether Aston Villa actually win the cup or not is another question. But they can't afford to take their eye off the ball. I think Watford are in a a much safer position than Aston Villa are when they got to the the FA Cup final towards the end of last season. Aston Villa are in peril. 
uh, and you know, and they can't afford to take their eyes off the ball. So I think maybe that's why we've seen the. I don't want to say the shackles are off, but certainly Villa have played with a flavour and a flourish that they didn't have in their Premier League games throughout this month. But in the cup games, both mm. cup games against Leicester, they've played really mm. well. Mm. Um, so we'll have to wait and see what happens. I don't know whether the new signings they've made, Samata, um, the striker, had a really good chance to score last night and, and missed it. Uh, I wonder how he'll have an impact. There's a few ideas about who might come in. Drinkwater's not exactly been a great signing. Positive is that Rayner's played well since he's come in. Nyland again, looks like a good option as well if Rayner, whatever for whatever reason, can't play um, I just wonder whether they do need to bring one more player in just to be sort of certain that they've got a chance of staying up performances I've picked up in recent weeks for Villa I think as well they're in with a chance now at least so as you mentioned there is a Manchester derby tonight it is City versus Manchester United City carry a 3-1 lead into the second leg of the semi-final in the League Cup so it's advantage to the Blues and we'll run rule over who could win that fixture next on Football Social Daily Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily. Premier League updates. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. There's a Manchester derby tonight. It's the second leg of the Caribou Cup, but there's a bit of a shadow over the game as well. We can't talk about a Manchester United game without mentioning... Briefly, at least, the um, scenes last night at Ed Woodward's house, the Manchester United CEO. group of people turned up at his gaff wearing balaclavas and throwing flares. Thankfully, he and his family weren't there. Ugly scenes, and any reasonable person would condemn those scenes, but it is evidence of how toxic the atmosphere at Manchester United has got now. I think it's an absolute disgrace. I think the people who, who, who did that should be ashamed of themselves, and I don't think doing things like that achieves anything. It just sullies the great name of Manchester United and and doesn't paint the fans in a in a positive light. And whether you think Ed Woodward has done a good job at Man United or not, that that there's a line you don't cross, and mm. and, and and it's people's family and the property. You just it, it's just a no go area. And I think you know, thankfully, his, his young twins. You know, uh, weren't in the, in the house, and I believe his his wife wasn't in the house yeah, either. He, he wasn't in there, and and he wasn't because mm-hmm. he's probably trying to sort the Bruno Fernandez deal out, isn't he? And I just think that you know, if Man United fans want to want to protest about what is going on at the club and and an inability to you know get transfers over the line, an inability to perform on the pitch, the hiring of a manager who's woefully out of his depth, I think. Just do it with protest with your feet. Mm. You know, don't go to the game. Mm. You know, I mean, I think they're planning a walkout this weekend, mm. aren't they, during but, during the game? But in the fifty eighth minute, on the closest date to the Munich air disaster, it's stupid. Manchester United fans have been silly about this, and it's like something you see in Eastern Europe, isn't it? Like mm. when they try and chase the owners out of their club, and mm. they try and the intimidation factor. As like Steve says, as much as you have disdain for what job Edward Wood's done, in your opinion singing about him dying and wishing death upon him and going to his house and destroying his things and damaging his property. It's just not the way to go. I don't really know what they want to to achieve either. Do they want Woodward to walk away from the club? Because if that happens, that's not going to fix anything. What problem is that going to fix? Because the Glazers are still going to be there. He's got... an easier target than the Glazers, isn't he? And I think that's yeah. why. Well, they're, they're unreachable, aren't they? Because they've got to be in the country for the start and they're but, likely to be staying in a hotel. But if they're also here. not making the club an attractive proposition for anyone else to come in, whether it be a CEO or whether it be new owners. They're not going to look at this club and go, oh, well, this is a reasonable fan mm. base. We're going to be given time to rebuild this as a business. Uh, or yeah. a... It's just stupid. Like the walkout at Old Trafford, they want to do it in the 58th minute. Obviously, the Munich air disasters. The clo- and it's just 
everything's so backward. I know that's making a statement, but to disrespect those that died in the Munich air disaster by yeah. walking out in that minute, I think is unacceptable. I think that's a bad idea for Manchester United fans. Mm. I also think attacking the CEO's house, no matter how much you hate him, is unacceptable. Well, do you know what the, whole like thing shows, say, the key word you say is condemn, and th- definitely that should be done. There's yeah. no respect for the history of the club with the Munich air disaster, and as you say, hijacking that as an event, but also at the same time, there's no respect. I mean, there's no respect for the history of the club in the terms of where the club have come from. They've mm. been through this stage before, as Liverpool have. Yeah. They've been in the wilderness for years. These a couple are, of hours away from administration these on the are Hicks managed, and Gillette. Yeah, exactly. If you're a supporter of a football club, you look at the football club as a whole. Mm-hmm. And even if you weren't there at the moment, the club wasn't winning stuff and being relegated to the second division or whatever it was in Manchester United's mm-hmm. history, there has to be a respect from the club has been there before. Yeah. And the club will rise again from whatever situation they're in now, which is by no means as bad as they've been in the past. It's not. And I think when, when you've had the success that United have had for two decades, which, let, let's be quite frank, they dominated mm. you know, under Sir Alex Ferguson. Mm. And it is a magnificent football club. When I take my, my Liverpool hat off, it is a gigantic football club. It has got a standard that has, you know, been laid down for other teams to try and copy. They are the one of the, the you know, the, the one of the biggest clubs in the world. Yeah. And I think it, it's un, it's unbecoming of a fan base and a club to to let a situation get so toxic. My take on it is, is Edward Wood was a banker, wasn't he? He was an he, investment, he's an investment banker. banker. Some people think he still is. Uh, well, yeah. And there's, <laughs> uh, you know, you line him up with knocking down But I think that that's. There's got to be a reason why he was hired, but there's been a glaring gap in the skills required to do the job. So it's probably another man needs to come in. And they've known they've wanted, they've needed a director of football for a long time. Someone who can be that liaison between the board mm. and the team and has actually got an idea of what goes on in the football world from a transfer point of view, a player mentality, player yeah. welfare, and what the fans want to do as well. So I think the owners have not addressed that. And they've let that situation rumble on and rumble on and rumble on, and you, you're in a situation where this guy is is just com- making a complete mess of things. And you've got untouchable owners because they're coming in and they're probably jetting in from Tampa and they're showing the face and they're, they're staying in hotels and stuff like that, and then they're out of there. They're, they're rinsing the football club. We know they're rinsing the football club. They are horrific owners for Manchester United. And it's, it's a sad state of affairs all round, and... You know, the Premier League needs a competitive Manchester United. You know, European football needs a competitive Manchester United because it isn't the same without them Mm. being there. You know, Manchester United not being in the Champions League is is still quite difficult to get your head around when they're going to play in Astana in the Europa League. It just doesn't, doesn't, doesn't compute. So there's got to be some coming together between the fans and the management of the club in a forum somewhere where there's positive, open, frank discussions and the issues are talked about and a plan is put in place to address them because no one's getting a grip of this situation at Manchester United. It's rumbling on and it's rumbling on. He is f***ing useless in the media, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. I mean, I've seen the, some of the stuff he said this week as well and it's just... Um, you're going to beat me out as well. I've just realised I've just sworn. I've got, but, I've got many beeps in the editing software. It's, uh, you know... It, it, it's crazy. I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap it. It's crazy. That's all I've got to say about it. I'm gonna I'm gonna say we're gonna move on because it is distracting from the football as it is now. We've still got two games to talk about. We've got Liverpool, okay. Liverpool versus West Ham to come, and also tonight's uh, semi final, which is Manchester United. Which is why we're talking about this versus Manchester City. Man City have got the three one lead. It could have been more in the first mm. leg. United will feel they've got a chance, but in truth, it is a very 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 small chance, isn't it? 
I'll tell you what is weird, and we said this about the first leg of the semi-final. Manchester, we we record this podcast in Manchester. We we, we all live in the local area. This doesn't feel like a Manchester derby. It's just mm-hmm. there's something strange about it, and I don't know whether it is the disdain towards the League Cup, like we've mentioned in previous shows. But for whatever reason, there's no buzz around this city. And there no. wasn't two weeks ago and in you know the what? first leg. And I wonder why that is. Is it because of the League Cup? And we we don't want to bring it back to fixture congestion, obviously. But there is some sort of weird vibe around Manchester. It's almost like it's not even happening it's tonight. It's a semi-final. It's a Manchester derby. It's two of the biggest clubs in the country. And it's not a sellout. And it's not like... It's not a sellout. It's not like the Everton versus Liverpool derby, which I compared to Barcelona versus Espanyol a few episodes of the podcast ago, because mm. I think it's so one-sided that it's not even competitive anymore. Liverpool mm. always win. But this derby isn't like that. Manchester United won the derby in the Premier League a few, <laughs> few months ago. Yeah. So it's not even like it's totally one-sided. Maybe it is just because Manchester United fans are so fed up with what's going on at their club. Manchester City fans know that... It costs a lot of money to go and watch their team when they play in a lot of competitions. I understand that. Um, I, I find it very, very strange indeed. And this game should have a big build-up and it should have the, the fanfare that goes with it. The game, people might think, is dead because Manchester City, is, uh, you know, they've got the advantage from the first leg. But there's still plenty to play for. There is. An early goal tonight for United changes everything because mm. suddenly City are a bit rattled by it, aren't they? And then, you know, United will... F- I, I think... To turn over a 2-0 lead in a cup tie is not beyond the rounds of possibility for mm. them. They're getting a lot of stick Man United at the moment, on and off the pitch, as we've said. And mm. talk about batting down the hatches. Let's go and do a job tonight, lads. Well, we saw Solskjaer, as you said, in the first derby this season. He did a job over Pep Guardiola. Did a brilliant job tactically and put him to the sword. Second leg, Solskjaer fell into the trap of believing he could play exactly the same way and get a result, but Pep Guardiola's too good a manager to cope with that. Technically and, more work. And just did the job over Manchester United. Mm. So how does Solskjaer play this third set of game? I mean, he can't just go with the same tactics again. He has to try something different, but there doesn't seem to be that much in the locker it's to like, try. It's like a game of chess, isn't it? Is Solskjaer going to try a third time the same tactics that won him the initial Premier League derby between the two teams? No, he can't. <laughs> surely not. But, I mean, is Pep going to do the same thing that he did and, and pack the midfield and play without a recognised striker and everyone's going, what the hell is Pep Guardiola doing? Genius. And goes and wins the game. Yeah. You know, so we'll have to wait and see. Solskjaer tactically is not on the level of Pep Guardiola and I don't think that's insulting to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I just think that's fact and yeah. testament to how yeah. good Pep Guardiola is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really interested to see how this game pans out because we've said all season, Manchester United, well, in my opinion anyway, are much better out of possession when they let the team, True. when they let the other team take hold of the ball, and if they can block out as much as possible, and then hit them on the counter attack, they've got mm. bags of pace. No Rashford will be a massive blow for United. Not having him available would be would be massively uh, disadvantageous to them. But they've got Daniel James, who's absolutely lightning. Martial's no slouch. They've mm. got quick players on the break. Greenwood and, as well. Um, there are question marks over Manchester City's defence right now. John Stones, short of confidence. Otamendi hasn't been the player, I think, that Manchester City wanted him to be. Looks like Bravo so, will start in goal tonight. Laporte, well. Bravo. Laporte's uh, uh, rest going to be... Well, be, he's 50-50, yeah. so I'd imagine they'd rest him. But, I mean, you know, Fernandinho's just signed a new contract. We could see him slot into the defence. Mm. I mean, there's so many ways Pep could play this. All Pep needs to do is make sure that they don't lose the game by two goals. I so think. it'll be interesting to see whether Pep does take a more defensive approach. I don't think he personally will because that's not Manchester City and that's mm. not how they play. But it, you couldn't blame him for packing the defence out because, like you say, all they need to do is camp on that two-goal yeah. advantage. This would be the ideal time to ring the cliche bell with what I'm about to say, but the cliche bell has been nicked. Oh, <laughs> my God. So everything's studio. been stolen <laughs> Typical at, at Manchester. the studio today. <laughs> so, I mean, but the first goal, 
It's hugely important, isn't it? Of course, Man City it is. get it. It's tiring. Ding, ding, ding. United get it. It's all open. It's all to play for. Yeah, exactly. I think uh, for, for me, if I wonder what United fans are, t- are taking this. If you got beat two 0 tonight, and you went through, it was five one on aggregate, but you went three up front and had a proper goal at Man City, you know, and you went all out and and tried to kind of you know get the goals mm. that required. What would be the vibe then? Obviously, disappointment that you've gone out, but would you be glad that Solskjaer's had the um, awareness to kind of change things up and, and really try and do a job on Man City? So I just think, you know, be super offensive. Um, you know, don't kind of be negative. Uh, you know, have them slotting in like like they have in previous games when they've not been expected to win. And and just go and have a go at mm. Man City tonight because yeah. if you if you rattle Man City, they don't like it. Right. And, you know, there's been a couple of teams across this season... Um, where they've actually gone at them and, and they're not fans of it at all. So I think go and have a go, get a goal, first 20 minutes, see what happens. Also, just a little side note, fascinated to see how Sterling plays tonight because he's been bang out of form yeah, lately. He he's been really poor. So I wonder whether he'll sort of find a goal or two or an assist and, and kick back into form. Maybe. Let's wrap up with the Premier League action tonight. It is West Ham versus Liverpool. Liverpool's game in hand after they went off and played the World Club Cup. Uh, if they win tonight... That puts them 19 points clear at the top of the Premier League. If West Ham lose and lose badly, they'll go down into the bottom three. Some team news for tonight for West Ham. Fabianski is being monitored. Personally, I think you wouldn't risk him in this game. If he needs a little bit more time, give him to the weekend at least. Snodgrass could also be missing. He's been one of the best players for West Ham this season. Ryan Fredericks is out. Philippa Anderson is out. Yarmolenko still out. Arthur Masuaku is out. Jack Walsh is obviously still out as well for Liverpool. Sadio Mane is missing and probably Steve we're going to see all the senior players come back that didn't play against Shrewsbury right? Uh, I would have thought so I think the league is is the bread and butter for us it's it's what we care about the most and we want to get it wrapped up as soon as we can really and if we can go 19 points clear tonight I think you know what I might kind of start being a bit more open to <laughs> what, suggestions. What was it you said a few weeks ago? It's not on until it's like well, you're 20 points ahead or something. You said. Yeah, I did say that. Yeah. <laughs> something so along it, those so lines. You know, if, if Liverpool go 19, you, you're thinking that's what seven losses yeah. is. It? You're not like going to lose seven games. Exactly. Are you? I mean, so, if you look at your fixtures, you've played pretty much all the hard teams. You've got have, City got, and Everton to come. That, the, but, the, and we've got Arsenal and Chelsea okay. uh, last games of the season. Right. Uh, but might be sewn up by then. Though, you Steve. know, you, you would expect it to be. I think. It's it's funny because I mean it's it's not on the same level as Man United, but Klopp's had a bit of stick this week, hasn't he? You know over what he said about, and we talked about it on a podcast on Monday and yeah. uh, and so on. And um, it'd be interesting if he can see what reaction we get from the team because the Shrewsbury result was not a good result, and it you know and what's happened after it, even though whether he agrees right or not is not a particularly good look. I said that on Monday. Um, I said I thought the wording wasn't particularly great that, that, that was used. I think we could have done it a different way mm-hmm. and got our point across a bit more succinctly, should we say. Um, but I expect full full uh, blazing tonight. I think, you know, all out, fast, aggressive, you know, kind of really in West Ham's face and trying to get him to cave in as soon as we can. I'd quite like this game not to be happening. <laughs> well, I can't make that happen, Jim. It's a weird scenario. So previously, and West Ham are always a club that have never gone into these games as the favourites. But previously, you'd always expect a level of performance. You'd always expect a level of effort. And occasionally, hmm. West Ham would nick. They've caused n- us problems n- in the past. They'd nick these. But I just don't feel that that kind of fight's there this season. Hmm. And it's to do with the problems at the club in general and the division amongst the fans and the problems with the board and all this kind of thing. But... 
I just don't fancy it tonight and I just want it to be over with. Well, the last game that you played against uh, Liverpool at the London Stadium was in February of 2019, uh, so just about a year ago, and that was 1-1, one of Liverpool's sort of yeah. too many draws, if you Seven want to argue it, last, you know, season. last yeah, season. Yeah. Like you say, West Ham have caused Liverpool problems in the past, but I don't think they'll fear going to the London Stadium. And that's a shame because that's what West Ham used to kind of build themselves on, mm. the pride of the fact that yeah. you come into Upton Park, you come into our manor, as they would say in the East End, and, you know, we're going to give you a good game. It doesn't feel like that anymore does it with the London Stadium we can talk about West Ham's issues as much as we want but is that character is that fear factor at home ever going to be there for West Ham in that ground they're in they need to find a way to just be solid at home again and not let teams come to up um, I nearly called it Upton Park not let teams come to the Olympic Stadium and turn you over I think we've got that typical thing where we're struggling to make a stadium our home and you see it quite often with clubs who go to new grounds they don't really have that identity and it's got that fear factor anymore what we struggle with at the moment is and I've, I've kind of criticised people who have said this before, but uh, a lack of passion and a lack of effort from the squad. And Mark Noble called it at the weekend with the loss to West Brom. He kind of said, you can't rely on me. You can't rely on me as a 33-year-old to come on at half-time and drag the team up exactly, by his yeah, bootstraps. He's right, and he's and that's right. ballsy of him to say that because yeah. he's right, isn't he? But he's, he's a top pro. Whether Noble. he should say it or not, I don't know. I think I've kind of questioned whether it was the right thing to say, but he kind of is right. You mm. need more people like that on the pitch, particularly when you're in a relegation fight that can go on there and can motivate a team, can make them play. Mm. And there's a lack of that on the pitch. I'd say every single game, four or five players there don't really care what happens. I mean, of course they care whether they lose. Everyone who plays sport at any level cares whether they lose. Mm. But they know, end of the season, if we get relegated there will be a new contract waiting for them somewhere. Yeah. Jack. Do you think there's too many foreign players in West Ham's squad? Because if you look at the likes of Sheffield United and what they're doing with a uh, with a solid sort of British and Irish core, you know, they're always up for the cause. And they've come from those lower leagues, much like Bournemouth have stayed up in the division for a while with those players. I get what you're saying. Do you think there's there's too much of that uh, that foreign flair where, like you say, they're not really bothered, they're just in the Premier League, they're enjoying the ride in the Premier League and there's no... Because there's no affiliation to the club, they've come from... A European league and oh West Ham they're paying good money they're a London club I get to live in the capital play in the Premier League get paid handsomely there's no affiliation for the club whereas for me growing up as a football fan West Ham were always one of those traditional football clubs where you think oh yeah I wouldn't mind going to play at Upton Park in front of those fans and maybe less for the money and more for the actual desire to play for the team I get where you're coming from but I don't think it's anything to do with the where the players are coming from if you like I think it's to do with the personalities that are being recruited Sure. and West Ham has been treated as a holiday camp by a lot of players coming from Europe, which is kind of what you're suggesting. Sure. And it's to do with the recruitment. It's to do, mm. we're not actively scouting players, we're being offered players by agents. So they're people that fancy a trip to London. Yeah. They like, fancy Oh yeah, we'll, to, we'll have a bit yeah, of that. Yeah, exactly. Which maybe doesn't have the right mentality for the players that are being recruited into those roles. They're not there to do a job. They're not there to fight the fight. They're there because they fancy living in London for a bit, as you say. So mm. I think, yeah, it's not to do with having too many foreign players because... That's kind of been part of West Ham's identity for years and years. I remember while, when, yeah. when Harry, Rad- Harry, Harry Redknapp, Harry Redknapp. <laughs> yeah, well, he probably is Hurdy Jim. <laughs> when Harry Redknapp was at the club, we were like the Foreign Legion, and he'd have Portuguese Division Three players coming in every window. So nothing's changed from that point of view. The difference was it was players like Thomas Repka, for example, like Slaven Bilic. Who were, who, who, who were there to play football and there to fight a fight. It's very mm. different now, I think. So part of the club's DNA has been foreign players. Part of the ambition has to be to find the best talent from elsewhere in Europe. But 
recruiting the right personalities is important. Maybe I've, that hasn't happened. I mean, I'd be stunned if West Ham win tonight and end Liverpool's amazing <laughs> run this season. I'd be absolutely shocked. Like I say, it's going to be a but West it, Ham win, massive win. But it would, My prediction rate. <laughs> it would be the most West Ham thing to go and, beat, it to go and beat Liverpool yeah. and then lose to Brighton next week. Oh, 100%. It would be the yeah. most West Ham thing. And I, I don't want to say I can see it happening because I can't see West Ham beating Liverpool at all. I just think the best they'll get to I draw, too, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I think you're too fragile, West Ham. Mm. But... You know, I mean, is it a case? I mean, I think you're saying there, Jim, it's a case of write this one off and go full guns yeah. ablazing into the Brighton mm. game because you need those points. Yeah. The only chance of beating Liverpool would be to play defensively, as we said about United and City, play defensively, hit him on the break, and there's not the pace in the West Ham team to hit him on the break at the moment. Mm. So it can't happen. And plus, all, and plus a lot of teams that come and play us every week try and do that as well. Yeah. And oh. I, you know, so I think West Ham have just got to try and be in the game at 75 minutes. That, that's, that's what it'll be. I and, dream of that, Steve. And I think if, you know, if the, the, you know Aston Villa, uh, you know, it's a good example of, of how to do that. Yeah. Uh, you know, Villa were 1-0 were up against Liverpool until, what, the 83rd, 84th yeah, minute? Firmino's always sniffing in those 80 you know, Minutes, and I think you know we, we ended up winning two one because Mane scored in, in like the eighty eighth minute or something like that. And I think you know they were so close to it. And you know again playing with the freedom, the shackles off. You mentioned it earlier before in the cup tie. That's how West Ham have got to do it. They've got to have no fear tonight. For anyone who is considering a cheeky fiver on West Ham winning tonight against Liverpool. Let me just remind you, the last game we played was against a out of form West Brom team who played their second string and were down to ten men, and we lost. So the chances of beating a full-strength Liverpool team with only Sadio Mane missing, yeah. I think, are probably minimal. And Zabaleta and Sanchez were both stinking in that game against oh, West God. Brom, and there's a chance they could play tonight as well. Brilliant! So. Right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say stick a fiver on. I thought you were going to tell me I the odds. I thought he was going to give us some odds. I was yeah, like, oh, I've got 500 to 1. Yeah. <laughs> Never tell me the odds. Uh, right, that is it for Football Social Daily. Niall, Steve, thank Cheers. you very much. Cheers, Jim. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. We'll send you the next one as soon as it's ready, which will be tomorrow because there's a new show every single day. We'll see you next time. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.